As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. People will tell you that if you've got to do something for yourself, you're always afraid to do it. But if you think you're doing it for somebody else, you'll do fine. Sure. I knew how to do real estate. And that's one thing I know how to do probably better than anything else. Best ever listeners, I'm so excited to share today's sponsor with you. It's Eastern Union Funding and Arbor Realty Trust. If you're in the multifamily space, you likely recognize these names, but have you used them? Uh, I'm guessing if you haven't, then you probably know someone who has. I can tell you personally, we have used uh, Mark Belsky. He is a point person at Eastern Union Funding as a partner with us, and he has helped us secure debt uh, for actually a deal we closed on this month. And we've worked with him. Um, In addition, my clients, my program, my consulting program have worked with them to successfully close on deals. When we were starting out, Ashcroft was starting out, we had somewhat of a track record, but we weren't fully as established with our investor network. I went to him and we secured some equity, $500,000 in equity to fund one of our deals. While he works with more institutional partners, you know, he's uh, brought $200 million in equity over the last 12 months. He was able to help us out there, and we built a relationship with him in Eastern Union Funding ever since. So if you need equity for your deal and you have a track record, then he's your point person. His number is 212-897-9875. If you need debt, then he partners up with Arbor on a lot of transactions. So if you're a multifamily borrower who wants agency or bridge debt, then that's the team to work with. Uh, We have worked with their team, both Eastern Union and Arbor, on deals. And people who have purchased our deals, purchased deals from us, have used Arbor, as well as my clients in my consulting program, they've used it. So this is a recommendation that comes from firsthand experience. And the last thing I'll say about uh, working with Mark Belsky at Eastern Union is that if you need a loan guarantor, but don't have that track record quite yet, then Mark can look at what you've, the deal you've got. And assuming it checks out, he can make introductions to people he knows as potential loan guarantors for your deal. So debt, equity and potentially loan guarantors. Uh, All you need, well, you need to find a deal, obviously, 
Um, but besides that, you know, the other main components of the deal they can help you out with. So talk to Mark Belsky. His email is mbelsky at easterneq.com. And his phone number, 212-897-9875. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Anthony Griffin. How you doing, Anthony? I'm doing great, Joe. Thanks for having me on the show and letting me talk to the best listeners ever. Well, it's my pleasure, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. A little bit about Anthony. He is the founder of Griffin Group, which is a commercial property investment firm. He's a licensed home builder and has been involved in real estate for over 13 years. He focuses on acquiring complexes with 100 more units located in the U.S. He's based in Jackson, Mississippi. With that being said, Anthony, will you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure will, Joe. My background is really in construction and commercial property management. Most people who know me know that I was a lifelong state employee for 19 years before I started my own firm. So I'm starting late to the party, as they say. My last job before I found myself as an entrepreneur was as the comptroller and manager of a state-owned portfolio of commercial property. We had about two and a half million square feet of Class A space that we were responsible for, and I was the guy that was tasked with drawing up leases and collecting rent every month, doing all the property management, overseeing contracts and all, and I had the proverbial bad boss that didn't like me. So I found myself an entrepreneur unprepared at one time. Got it. So do you say 2.5 million worth of square feet? Did I hear that right? That was correct. Two and a half million square feet of commercial class A space. And we had 32 buildings I was responsible for. Wow. When did you make the transition from being the state employee where you're the comptroller and manager of the $2.5 million worth of square feet of class A to what you're doing now? I've had my firm open for about eight years. Now, in that eight years, we've done a little bit of everything in real estate. We're kind of honing our focus to change with the economy now. My first property was a fourplex that I bought that probably should have been condemned if I had had my head examined. I probably would have condemned it. <laughs> Based on everything that went wrong with that building, and I'm going to explain that one in much more detail in a few minutes, but based on everything that could go wrong, I decided that I need to get my license as a general contractor so that I could at least understand the contracting part that had to go with this project. Yeah, so that's where all of the stuff that went wrong went wrong. Like what? Oh, look, just as a quick on this building, we found this building through a mentor of mine that told me that, oh, you know, there's an attorney that wants to sell this building and it'd be great for you. It was $25,000 for a fourplex. That should have been the first red flag. <laughs> then, then he told me, he said, well, maybe about forty dollars or $50,000 into it and it should have phrased for like 100000 and you'll be good to go. Rents are good over here. What I did not realize, and this is the best advice I can give to your listeners, is know your numbers and know what you plan on doing with it from the beginning. Uh -huh. If you know your numbers, then it can make up for a lot of mistakes that you will make. To be honest with you, everybody in business, and you've done this probably yourself, we go in with the best expectations on the property, but they never pencil out 
exactly the way you thought they would. Or yep. Nothing goes perfectly the exactly. way you thought it would. So with this property, I didn't realize it was next to a crack house. And literally, whatever we would fix that day, people would break in at about 3 o'clock at night, and they would take it out. <laughs> and it went on like this for about eight months. Eight months? Yeah, eight months. It took me eight months to renovate my first project. Oh, wow. And this was having contractors. I didn't know how to deal with them at the time. They would come in, and I would pay before the work was finished, and... I would pay for half-finished work. I was paying for supplies and didn't know I was paying for tools sometimes. It was a nightmare while it was going on. Bright story in that is that I sold it and made money at the end. Really? But it, Yeah, I made $16,000 after it was over with. You bought it for twenty five. How much you put into it? I put forty grand into it, so I had it for 65000 And when I closed that, I had a check for $16,000 that I went to the bank with. Good for you. I didn't see that end of the story coming. I thought there was going to be a minus 16K in your future on that deal, but I'm glad there wasn't. Yeah. Fortunately, I've never had one go belly up on me. But I've had some that at the end of the day, you were looking in the checkbook and you were trying to scratch the pennies together to get them finished, though. But through the process of dealing with this one, I ended up becoming a contractor and I started building houses. Mm -hmm. Now, of all my experience, I love building houses. The only problem with being a home builder is I was a home builder right around the time 2008 hit. Yep. And fortunately, I didn't get stuck with anything, but that dried up all of my production for a couple of years. What did you do during those years? Well, that's when I became a property manager for the state. Okay. And I worked in the state for 19 years before I left and, and retired, so to speak, to do my own thing. And I was everything from the sexually transmitted disease investigator all the way up to a property manager for commercial property. I think I did a little bit of everything in my tenure. Hmm. So in 2008, the building obviously dried up because no one was building anywhere for the most part. So then you went back to work for the state. Is that correct? The state of Mississippi. The state of Mississippi, okay. What I was tasked with doing was they have an agency called Capital Facilities, and they manage all of the property in downtown Jackson that the state owns. Well, where I'm from, the state owns about 70% of downtown. So we had 32 buildings, two and a half million square feet. I did not know how to do this job at the time, and I certainly didn't know what I signed up for. So this is one of the things I can give your audience for advice. No matter how much you read, and no matter how much a mentor tells you that you got to do things, you're going to have to figure something out. None of it is going to go exactly according to plan. You always will have to figure something out that there's going to be a, oh, I didn't see that one coming, or I didn't know that happens. So literally, on this job, I had to learn how to write a commercial lease. I had to learn how to do budgets because we had a $15 million a year plan, and that's how much rent we collected. I had to learn how to pay bills for all of that property. I had to learn how to send out maintenance people to do all of the work to keep our buildings going. I had to learn how to get janitorial to do it. And I did this job for three years. But, Joe, I'll tell you, this is the moment that made me realize that there was something better on the other side. It was just three years earlier than me leaving. I was invited to a meeting with a bunch of commercial realtors in Jackson. And these are all the guys who built all of the big buildings. 
And the guy who invited me was a friend of mine. He said, well, you got to introduce yourself and tell them who you are and what you do. So I did. I told him the same thing I just told you and the listeners. So the guy who was heading the meeting, I'll never forget him because he gave me some good advice. He said, well, how many people do you have on your team, son? And I said, well, it's just me and the two secretaries that work with me. So everybody in this room, and we're talking about 30 or 40 people just burst in the lap. And I'm kind of nervous at this point because I'm trying to figure out what's funny. So they said, well, how much property do you have? And I said, well, we got 32 buildings, just about all of downtown Jackson. And he said, you only do it with two secretaries? I said, yes, sir. So he said, well, son, if you don't mind me asking, how much do they pay you a year for that? And most people don't like to talk about money, right? Mm-hmm. So I proudly think that I'm making good money. I say 51000 a year. And then everybody burst into laughter again. So I asked the guy that brought me, I said, man, you have to let me in on this. What's funny? He said, I didn't know they made you do all of that. He said, let me give you some advice. He said, if you can do that job for three years and really learn it, you can write your ticket in real estate anywhere because nobody knows how to do all of that by themselves. Parkway Properties was a big REIT that was in Jackson at the time. I think they moved to Florida at this point. But he told me that REIT has a whole floor full of people that do what they make you do by yourself. Mm-hmm. And he said, just stick with it. He said, learn everything you can. He said, trust me, that knowledge will become invaluable later. And it was foretell in the future because then I got a boss that didn't agree with me and I had to find something else to do. So I started my own firm. And what was your focus with that firm? Commercial office, because it was the one thing I knew how to do better than anything else. That makes sense. But I'm going to tell you something, how I took a side note on that. And you know how people will tell you that if you've got to do something for yourself, you're always afraid to do it. But if you think you're doing it for somebody else, you'll do fine. Sure. I knew how to do real estate. And that's one thing I know how to do probably better than anything else. You know what I did first? I started an insurance agency. <laughs> with no prior experience. Oh, my. Did that go well? It went okay. I sold commercial, residential, and life insurance for five years. Okay. So it's still a relevant industry. You, you stayed within the real estate realm in addition to life insurance. I did. Okay. And, but you know how it paid off later on is because now any property we buy, I'm still a licensed contractor, so my company does all the remodeling. We can do it at cost. We can look at a building. We can tell exactly what it's going to cost us to fix it. I know how to manage the property, so my company manages all of our property. And since I was in insurance, I know how to insure them, or at least I know how to go to a broker and intelligently talk about insurance. Yep. Are all of your properties in Jackson? And if so, how many in Jackson do you have? I have five in Jackson right now. Are they single-family homes? I have only dealt with one single-family home in my entire career other than building it. Everything, strangely enough, has always been commercial property. I started in it for some weird reason. <laughs> so what kind of commercial properties? I've got all office property now. But as the market has started to change a little bit, office market is a finicky thing. It pays really, really well because the amount you get per square foot is a lot. But... It takes a much longer time to fill a space once it's empty. Like I've got one building that I bought, and I'll talk about it in a little bit. We bought it as an REO, and it only has two units. But one unit has been vacant for about two years. 
still building this cash flowing, but I missed the rent on it. Mm-hmm. Um, now that they companies let people work at home a lot more, and then you see flexible office space, like the, I can't remember the name of the company, but they have all like the furniture. Yeah, like we work, that's hurting office market unless you have gigantic tenants that are big law firms or something. So I'm eventually going to phase out of office and go strictly into multifamily. And the reason why is because when I was a home builder, I realized that everybody is not going to be able to buy a home in the United States anymore. That's not the American dream it used to be. People are really going to consider renting long term and it's coming whether people realize it or not. Most property owners need to go ahead and realize that people aren't buying anymore. Well, I'd love to talk about the office. We talk a lot about apartment communities on the show, and that's the direction you're headed. But so far, everything you've purchased is office minus one single family home, correct? That's correct. So let's talk about the office properties that you have. I find this really interesting. And it makes sense that you focused on office because of your background managing those 32 properties in Jackson. One of them, you said, has two spaces, and one of the two spaces has been vacant for two years. How tempted have you been over the two years, especially most recently, when now two years, to just kind of fill it with a tenant who may or may not qualify, but let's just get some money in the door? Well, I'll tell you why, Joe. Again, I said know your numbers and buy it right on the beginning. The story with this building is it was actually the first building I bought when I started myself. A real office building that was owned by a bank. The original owner had had it for a few years and he lost it to foreclosure. And the bank had it for three years. And the story the realtor told me is that nobody would come even look at the building. So they why? had three years on their book. And I don't know why. Huh. But the building was there for three years and they had no takers at all. And it was a great office building. Um, the only thing it suffered from was it had a lot of deferred maintenance. When you say it's, it was a great office building, what makes you say that? It's in one of the better office parks that's in Jackson, Mississippi. My neighbors are actually Southern Farm Bureau Insurance Company. There's a law firm on the corner from me. There's a credit union association on the corner from me. There's two nonprofits in front of me. American Cancer Society is right next door to me. The FBI is building Entergy South, which is the power company in Mississippi. Their whole campus is across the street from mine. General Services, that is federal agency, their office is around the corner from me, and so is the Employment Security Office. So I'm actually in the last office part that's in Jackson. All the rest of the stuff has gone to the suburbs. And how much you buy it for? It was originally listed for 265 I closed out at 107 Congratulations on that. Thank you. And it was completely vacant when you purchased it? No, it was 60% occupied. 60%? Help me with that math if there's two places. It was a tenant that had been there for 10 years. Okay, but aren't there two spots in this building? Right. It was only 40% unoccupied. Okay. And that was just the one unit. So 60% of the space is made up of one tenant and 40% is made up of the other tenant? Is that how it works? So yeah, it's two buildings in one building. 
so that one tenant that you inherited, is that the tenant who is still there? No, that's a new tenant. That that's tenant a- left two years ago. They were an accounting firm that I guess from lack of business, because they were from New Orleans, which is three hours away from here. That was a satellite office for them. And I'm assuming that business had kind of gotten slow for them, so they relocated out of the area. Okay. The tenant that's there now is a mortgage nonprofit that has actually got offices nationally. And how did you recruit them? Old-fashioned boots on the ground and door knocking. That's the one thing that works. And I hate to bash realtors, but a lot of them aren't hungry enough because in my experience here, a lot of them will sit on the listing and they'll put a sign up, but they really don't go and door knock and find people. And the most tenants found to put in a building were all because I went and knocked on doors and, and talked to people. So whose doors do you knock on and what do you say after they answer the door? The first people I usually go to is the local chamber of commerce. And that's because they know every business owner that's around. Okay. You know anybody that needs office space. Do you have any companies that have just joined the chamber who may be trying to get started and they need affordable office space or they need a good location? And it's really just building relationships with the people who are looking because you can't be in every place at one time. That will kill you. You've got to have other people looking for you. And the most luck I've ever had was just talking to people and telling them it's available. And usually somebody else will call on their behalf and say, hey, I need a space. And then I kind of filter them out from there. Mm-hmm. Is that how you found the mortgage nonprofit is through the Chamber of Commerce? That's exactly how I found it. Okay. What's the property worth now being 60% occupied? The last numbers I did on the pro forma had it at about 320 I think. But if I get this other unit occupied, it takes me up to about 465 Nice. And what's your plan with this? Two questions. How long have you had this property? Just 2011. 2011, seven years. And do you plan on selling it soon or do you plan on holding it and doing a cash out refinance or something like that? I'm probably going to pay this one off and hold it. We at this point only owe 100000 on it. And even with one tenant, it's still throwing off about $1,500 a month. Mm-hmm. So my son is interested in architecture. I have a 16-year-old that's interested in going to Mississippi State University. And in a year and a half, he'll be going off to school. And I've told him that if you get into architecture, that certainly is something that can benefit the family business. And worst come to worst, Joe, when I pay it off, if it goes vacant again in one unit, we'll keep that unit and we'll run our office out of it. Sure. When you say pay it off, what type of loan do you have on it right now? I have a 30-year adjusted with a five-year balloon. Okay. So with a five-year balloon, but you've owned it seven years. So I imagine that's a loan that you've got after you purchased it, correct? Right. Okay. We, so We refinanced it twice in the seven years. You've what? We refinanced it twice in seven years for better rates. Oh, cool. Never to add more debt to it, but just for better rates. And it's a five-year loan you got on it. What year are you in for this loan? We just refined it about seven or eight months ago. So we're in the first year of the next five. Okay, cool. So when you say you're going to pay it off, is that bringing money from other deals to this loan and pay it off prior to the balloon payment in about four years? That's exactly what we're doing now. 
I'm a big Robert Kiyosaki fan, so I believe in throwing extra money into a note if I got it and knocking the payments down as fast as I can. Taking a step back and looking at your four office properties, which one performs the best? That one. That one? The one we're talking about? The one we're talking about performs the best because I bought it so cheaply. Ah, yeah. The rest I bought at pretty close to what the market values were, but I had a little hedge in them. But that was the slam dunk home run property out of all the ones I bought. Mm -hmm. Tell us the numbers on the worst commercial property. Ooh, let's think. The worst one I've got, I probably net maybe a thousand a month, but it's a much bigger property. It's about ten thousand square feet. All my properties are small. I don't do the real big ones. How much you buy that one for? That one was I think four hundred and sixty. And how many tenants do you have in it? That one's got three tenants in it. Okay. Any vacant spots? Thank goodness. No vacancies other than that one home run building. Everything's fully rented, which it makes me wonder if I got them fully rented, am I charging them up? <laughs> the one that's the grand slam for you, but ironically it's 60% occupied, I guess it surprises me that it's been two years and you haven't found someone given how resourceful you are appear to have been on your other deals and how you have all your other properties fully occupied. So what is it about that spot or that unit or space rather that you think is creating the two-year vacancy? I think probably part of the reason is I partially use it. You know how you have a child and one becomes your favorite because you spend <laughs> the most time with that one up front. <laughs> <laughs> And I've gotten a little emotionally attached to it sometimes when it's sitting <laughs> I would start going over there and I would run my office out of it. And then I start thinking of it, oh, well, you know, this is my space. And I came to a realization that I lose money while I'm sitting here. So you're part of the problem. <laughs> you love it too much. Okay, now we're getting to the bottom of things. I was going to say, because it, it just, it seems a little weird that all your other properties are occupied, but this one has a space, but now I get it. Now it comes full circle. It's your favorite one, so you can't bear to part ways with using some of the space. This is the property that it was bought so cheaply. Now I have to tell you all the stuff we had to do with this building. This is why the price was so cheap. One, it was an REO. Banks are not in the real estate business. Everybody knows that. They want what their loan is worth. They have no idea how to run the building, so to them, everything is a bill. Well, this building had massive roof leaks, and it's a flat roof on top of that. So the bank would constantly get calls that the roof was leaking. Well, $15,000 and a brand-new TPO roof fixed all that for me. But being a contractor, I knew this going in. When I looked at it, I immediately knew what the dollars were. The old person that owned the building, I'm assuming that something happened, but when he left the building, he left it literally like he packed up on a Friday at 5 o'clock and never came back. And all of the things that went with his business were still in there. So when they would show it to people, if they even showed it to people, you know how when you look at a property, you can't look at it with your eyes. You have to look at it with a potential customer's eyes. Sure. When I walked in and saw it the first time, it had overgrown landscape and there were trees that were growing wild all around it. The roof was in terrible condition. 
the parking lot, it didn't have any stripes left on it at that point. It was strictly blacktop. The unit where the old owner was, literally, it looked like he left at 5 o'clock. And you couldn't even see the carpet on the floor because there was so much trash and debris everywhere. Because it looked like he owned a temporary staffing service. So let me make you all imagine what that looked like when I walked into it. If you've owned a temp staff place, then you know there's personnel files that they don't work with, correct? Sure. There were thousands of these things everywhere. And you can imagine you've got people's personal data, social security numbers. And when you walk in, the whole floor in 2,200 square feet of office space is just covered in them. So I imagine that anybody who looked at it, if you see the hidden ceiling, roof tiles and stuff falling down, they got mold on because it's rained in the building. I imagine that would scare people off. But to me, I saw a gym in the rough. Makes sense. And clearly it worked out. I'm going to ask you the money question I ask everyone. What's your best real estate investing advice ever? Know your numbers and know how to deal with contractors. The reason I say know your numbers, if you get your numbers correct, you can almost get yourself out of trouble on the property. It can underperform a little bit, you can overpay for things, and you can still get it back under control. But if you overpay for a property, it's like climbing Mount Everest trying to get it back under control. And almost every time I've seen people do it, they end up having to sell and duress. Because if you buy too high, you can't make the numbers add up to what they are. They're only going to be as high as they're going to be. But if you buy it low enough and you control the cost on the front end, you can fix a lot of mistakes. And as far as knowing how to deal with a contractor, and I'm one, so I'll really give you advice from a contractor's point of view. Get three estimates on everything. Even if you like the contractor and you dealt with him in the past, you'll get three estimates to keep him honest. Because number one, if they do all your work, eventually they're going to start charging you higher than they should. Number two is you never want to deal with the lowest price contractor. He's the lowest price for a reason. And another thing with contractors, don't beat a contractor on his price so much that he's not making any money because you will get the job you pay for. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's go. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Do you need debt for your deal, equity for your deal, or maybe a loan guarantor to help you get qualified for the financing? Talk to Mark Belsky. His number is 212-897-9875. That's 212-897-9875. His email is mbelsky at Eastern eq.com best ever listeners we have launched bestevercauses.com that's bestevercauses.com we profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart get the word out about their cause and also donate money towards their cause if you'd like to one learn more about the causes that we're profiling we do one a month then go to bestevercauses.com And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com and there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Best ever book you've recently read? Oh, that would be Multifamily Millions by Dave Lindell. What's the best ever deal you've done? That office building. What's the best ever way you like to give back? Doing construction work for my church. And how can the best ever listeners get in touch with you and learn more about what you got going on? 
They can find us on our personal website at anthonygriffinblog.com, or they can look at us on our company website, griffingroupconstruction.com. Anthony, thank you so much for sharing your advice, talking about your portfolio in the commercial office portfolio, as well as how you've navigated the leasing of the units. You've got them all leased up except for one, and we talked about the unique circumstances of that one, as well as the finances. So thank you so much for being on the show. Really grateful for our conversation. Hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com and there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out.